Hello, how you doing? Welcome to season three, episode four of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I hope you've had a good week so far. I want to start this episode by quickly saying a huge thank you to anybody and everybody that has supported season three so far, because it's one of those things that is just It will never feel normal to me. I'm always blown away by your support and I am so, so grateful. So thank you very much. And also for anybody that reached out to me over last week's episode, which was all about using solicitors when going through a divorce, I want to say thank you for being vulnerable and brave enough to come forward and share your story with me because I don't take that lightly. And secondly, it just, it makes me feel sad because I'm fully aware that this is how divorce goes in a lot of cases and we know this but when you actually start to hear the stories it makes it more real and while there's a slight positive of knowing that you're not alone because this happens so often I just it's sad that it has to be this way but moving on now to this week's episode I am so excited to share this conversation with you I spoke with the fabulous Clarice Harrison otherwise known as Outzilla and it blows my mind how quickly our relationship has developed because I think it was a few weeks ago it was no more than a few weeks ago when Clarice reached out to me because she found me on social media and invited me on her podcast and we had an absolutely fantastic conversation around relationships. I mean, she really deep dived into everything with me, most aspects. And I knew that there was so much more we could talk about. So I pretty much immediately got back on Instagram and sent her a message and said, please, can you come on my podcast now? And that's exactly what she did. And we had such an eye-opening conversation. We touched on a few different things. And the initial reason I wanted to speak to Clarice was because I listened to her podcast, which is well worth a listen, by the way. If you search Outzilla on all main podcast platforms, you will find her. And I had listened to an episode that she discussed how meditation literally transformed her life. And it transformed her from being a people pleaser into somebody who is confident and somebody is living the life that she deserves to live. And because I knew that she had been with her husband for 10 years and she's now at that age where she's been with her husband from her late teens or early 20s to now going into her 30s, which is such a transformative time anyway. And it's very transformative for a lot of relationships that are together from that young age moving into the next decade. So initially, we started talking all about how working on yourself and self-development can improve your relationships and the benefits that it has on those closest to you, particularly your romantic relationships by putting yourself first and how people pleasing can impact your romantic relationships. And then we moved on to talking all about how to navigate those changes as you become more of an adult because let's be honest those early years of your 20s you kind of I felt like anyway that I was pretending to be a grown-up and you're taking it all in you're learning what it all means and your path that you choose to take can change and you can whether that's your career whether that's your friendships whether that's your family 
there are lots of things that we learn and discover throughout our 20s that change the type of person that we want to be. And if we're in our long-term relationship or we've already got into a marriage by the time we're in our mid to late 20s, you know, that's going to have a big impact. And that is why a lot of relationships end up drifting apart and breaking up. But Clarice is a perfect example of somebody that has made huge changes throughout her life while being in a long-term relationship. And not only has she worked on herself and improved her life for the better, but her relationship has flourished through these changes. And now they are in a strong, confident, happy relationship. Clarice is a mindset and meditation coach who teaches you to transform your life through mindset and meditation work. There are lots of ways that you can either see her work or work with her. Again, if you head to her Instagram, the link for that will be in the show notes of this episode. She also has an ebook which is on my list. In fact, I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks and I've got quite a long flight, so I've already downloaded it ready to read on the plane. And the book is called Out of Comfort Into Living. And one of the many reasons I am so grateful for Clarice talking with me is that When you work with a coach, whatever area of your life that's in, you want to know that they are taking their own advice and that they practice the steps that they are teaching to their clients. And I just, you can tell so easily and almost instantly that Clarice does just that. So let's start this week's episode. You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome, Clarice. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm so excited for this episode. Um, I had you obviously on my podcast and we talked so much and got so much juice out of you. So I'm so grateful to be here on your show. Well, equally, I'm so grateful that you agreed to come back because I definitely thought we needed a round two. So before we go any further, just to give a little bit of an introduction, Clarice is a mindset and meditation coach and she teaches you to transform your life through meditation. And you have obviously said we met through your podcast and I... After that, I was just, I was listening to an episode of yours around how you changed your life through meditation. And it was such a, it was one of those episodes, it feels it's about three minutes because you're so engrossed in what you're saying. You don't realize how quickly the time goes. And I really loved how vulnerable you were. And I thought it's so common for especially women of our age between that twenties and thirties time period where we're people pleasers. We put everybody first. We sort of think that we we're doing all the things we think we should be doing. And we're not really looking at how we're looking after ourselves. Are we actually following the careers that we want? Are we in the right social circles that we want? All of that. And also with our relationships, it can make us behave in ways that maybe aren't authentic. Even if we've got a lovely partner and it's an amazing relationship, we can sometimes just people please and and do things we think our partner wants to do without checking in. Are we actually wanting to do this? So what I want to ask you at first is you said it was throughout your 20s. What ways would you say that that did play a part in your relationship? Well, to understand where I was, I feel like I have to go back slightly just for a sense of understanding. So I was brought up in a lovely little city called Southampton where my family and I did the same things day in, day out. I had a very hard school life where I was actually severely physically and emotionally bullied for about five years and I was coming home 
to my parents where they were just tearing each other apart. And it was a very heightened, stressful environment, especially for a teenager. I had a wonderful childhood. I'm not going to say it was, you know, all bad news in my life. But the most important thing here is that it gave me a lot of anxiety. So I started having panic attacks. I had a lot of like low self-esteem. I didn't really get a role model when I was growing up when I was younger. And I think that's really important to mention that because, you know, you need to understand where someone has come from in order to understand what they're looking for when it comes to a relationship. So my younger self, just before I turned 20, I was looking for someone to give me the validation that I did not know how to craft for myself. So I was looking for the Prince Charming, the man that's going to swoop me off my feet. You know, those movies that tell you that they're the one and everything is going to change. As soon as you meet them, they're going to solve all your problems. And unfortunately, that was a load of shit. So (laughs) I came to learn very quickly that, you know, even if you it starts off quite beautifully without any baggage or any sort of understanding of what you two are bringing to the relationship. And um, I'd like to highlight it wasn't just me either. So I've been with my husband, Philip, now for over 10 years, which is a huge stepping stone. It doesn't feel like 10 years. That's a compliment to him. Um, <laughs> you always hear the people that go, oh, it's been such a long 10 years. I think that's so grueling. Like, I, I generally don't feel like it's been, I don't know, a horrible long process. But when we first started out, it was never it was never difficult because we were in the honeymoon phase. We we were best friends. We got on like a house on fire. We loved talking and connecting. And it wasn't until we moved in together that you really get a perspective of what a relationship is. The responsibilities start to come in, bills, money. You start to talk about all these really different things. The honeymoon phase fades quickly. And I don't want to put anyone off from moving in with anyone because it's a process that we need to go through and that's okay. Uncomfortable feelings and actions need to be taken. So that's kind of a a starting point. So where was it for you at that point? You're obviously living with your now husband and you know that you're still in this phase of putting everybody else first. What was your breaking point for you where you knew you needed to make some changes? The breaking point was we had a lovely two years in our first flat together. And he said to me, I think we should move all the way to Swindon. And I was like, Swindon? Are you kidding? And he was like, no, because we could buy our first house there. And I kind of thought, you know what? I really trust this guy. Like, let's do it. It means we can get our first ever home, which was at the time really affordable because, hint, it's in Swindon. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get real. Um, So we we did. We moved. And the breaking point is when we got there and when we took that risk, that leap, I hated it. I hated the area. I hated the people. The energy wasn't right. And I just became so fixated that everything else was the issue. But the issue was me. It wasn't the location. It wasn't the people or my job. It was how I was showing up in the world. And I was miserable and I was jealous I really, really used to struggle with him going out by himself because the inner girl inside of me thought that he was going to find something better and realise, actually, she's not all that great, which is my biggest fears, and he was going to leave me. So I would do anything. I would manipulate him to stay, not because I was trying to hold him down, but because I didn't want to lose him. 
And that's a really eye-opening kind of tool here. The breaking point is that I became extremely depressed. I was having panic attacks often. The poor man had no idea what to do with me. And I was looking for him for answers. I thought he was going to solve all my problems, but actually it was tearing us apart. And it wasn't until I realized that the person that I needed was me to make the actions and start changing and do it alone. And to do it alone is extremely stressful. So I turned up one day, I woke up the night before I was telling him we should move house, ironically. And I turned to him and I said to him, I'm going to go on a meditation retreat. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to um, take out a credit card and I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to fly to Bali by myself. And he generally went, okay, how are you going to afford it? I was like, the credit card, right. <laughs> but the retreat that you want to go on is in September and you work at a school, you're not going to be able to go. Yeah, I'm going to quit. I'm going to do it today. And normally any human being on the planet would be like, you're having a mental breakdown. <laughs> There's no way you're doing that. You can't travel alone. You know, all their fears, they project onto you. And Phil said, okay, because he knew how long I had been suffering for. It had been a grueling three years of anxiety, negativity, all of it. And I just got to the breaking point where I said, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose everything, myself, my soul and our relationship. So I did. I went. I went all the way on the other side of the world. I spent and invested so much money on coaches and retreats and inner work. And it wasn't until I started doing that, I finally found the secret to be able to transform myself. And I was like, shit, why does no one know about this stuff? From the girl now, if I brought her to you, my past self, to who I am now, you wouldn't recognize her. I wouldn't recognize her. I'm completely and utterly not the same human being. Firstly, thank you so much because that's so vulnerable to be that honest with me. And I'm so grateful. I really think it's worth pointing out. Firstly, your husband sounds so lovely and so supportive. And what was really interesting is you were saying that you know, when he said moving to Swindon, that was a positive for you. He was thinking of your relationship. He wanted you to buy a house together. There were no ill intentions here. But because you weren't able to learn how to voice what you were wanting, because you didn't know what you wanted at that point for yourself, for your future, that you were able to get so easily swept up. Because I think it's very easy to focus on thinking that maybe there's a good and a bad person in a relationship. And if there's a nice person, it means that person's maybe being too decisive and too too controlling. And that's not the case. This can happen in the best relationships if you don't know how to learn what you want and then communicate what you want. And I think it sounds so lovely that he was able to support and have the security within himself to support you. Because a lot of partners, if you said, I'm, go I'm going off to Bali, I don't know, how, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I, he could have gone, well, no, what does that mean for us? Or decide that he doesn't want to continue the relationship. And I just think it's so incredible that he decided that he could just do that. And it shows your love and your connection. I just think that's really, really lovely. What would you say from doing that trip? And then when you did decide to come back home, what were the initial sort of benefits you were noticing between the two of you? Don't let him hear you say that because his head <laughs> doesn't fit through the door as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was incredibly supportive of him. And to be honest, before my, let's say, self-awakening, self-development, we would argue a lot, a lot. And it would set off panic attacks. Um, he would sleep on the sofa 
you know, he would storm out. I would storm out, wouldn't see each other. We would stonewall each other, which is incredibly toxic. And I'll be honest with you, I think if we continue down that route, I would not sit here and say we've been together for 10 years. I have to make a point of that. So it wasn't until after years of showing up, consistency, learning all the elite mindset tools that I know now to expand myself and my mind, my self-confidence and how I feel about myself, that when he would storm out, I didn't panic. Or when he would argue with me, I didn't need to win the argument. It was really interesting how my perspective changed on everything. And I was able to tone the situation very quickly. So it improved our relationship on a whole new level. And it also improved other relationships around me. It's not just my partner, my husband, it was my my friendships and my relationships. And that's what people don't realize is when they, you know, invest in self-development, not only are you getting the golden ticket, but the people you surround yourself with also get that ticket too, which, yeah, so important. And I'm not saying that you should change who you are. You don't have to change exactly who you are. It's just about learning to love yourself, learning to, you know, show up in a way that makes you feel good is going to make other people feel good and that's that's something that I learned and I'll be real we've been through everything and I can't sit here and say that it was a happy ending because I did self-transformational work and then he picked me up and we sailed away you know life throws bombshells and it's about learning to navigate those bombshells together and we've had it all we've had the grief we've had job loss we've had finance crisis um, you name it, we've had it. But the biggest switch in mindset for the both of us is when he had a heart surgery, which was three years ago now, about six weeks before our wedding. And we were training for the Brighton Marathon. I was extremely excited because I've always wanted to do a marathon and he wanted to do it with me, which was very special. And he was getting palpitations and he was getting extremely tired. And we went to the doctor and we realized he had a heart condition which he'd known about and we had known about for a long time, but it got worse. And they said, you need to have surgery within the next couple of weeks. And it was such a shock to our system. And to navigate the idea that your partner is at death's door just puts your mindset of of gratitude, really connecting and loving that human person because nothing else matters. I, I I wouldn't argue with him about anything. I didn't care. All I cared about is that we navigated ourselves through probably one of the most challenging, life-changing experiences we've ever done together. And I'll be honest, I've seen some stuff and I'm not willing to share that, but I have seen some things. But for him and I, he obviously, he's fine. He had his surgery and he still has technically a condition at this point. So it's just one of those things that a lot of people judge me on. And they say, you know, why are you with him? How could you stay with him? You know, he's going to, are you not scared? He's going to die one day. And I was like, well, I would, I'll be honest. I Wouldn't I regret it if, if what if he lived to freaking 80 years old? You just don't know. And he's my best friend. He's my soulmate. He's, you know, the love of my life. And I will see it through till the end if I have to. And yeah, it was a very life transformational experience. And to put you through, I would almost call it a universe test right before your wedding. I mean, to be able to navigate that situation and then decide what you do with the wedding. Do you have to postpone for health reasons and all of that? I think that just absolutely shows. Also, if you hadn't done this work on yourself, if you hadn't learned how to navigate those arguments and be able to be calm, 
you could have just fallen apart at that moment in time as much as you will have needed your own support from friends and family he needed you to be his rock while he navigates this absolutely terrifying experience and would you say that this work this meditation this sort of self-development meant that you could create an inner strength for him absolutely without a doubt 100 percent. i like i said i've seen it all and if i did not stay calm in those situations there's a there's a part where um i got to visit him every day whilst he was in hospital for her part of his recovery and i'm not very good with um blood gut score that kind of stuff and uh as i came into the room to see him again you know a couple of days after they had taken off his um sorry if anyone's super like doesn't like i won't describe it too much guys trigger warning they took off his almost like a giant sticker on his chest from where the surgery had been and there was just a a line that was it there was just a line where the skin was you know attached and he knows i struggle with stuff like that and i came in and he was looking at me like deer in headlights like hey how you doing how's things (laughs) so you could see he was like freaking out and i was like yeah i'm really good yeah you know on the outside i'm calm i'm collective it's all good. I'm, I'm in charge of the energy in the room. Deep inside me, I'm going, Oh my God. That is the biggest scar I've ever seen in my life. Holy crap. Oh my God. <laughs> and it just goes to show like, yes, I could handle it. And I almost showed myself what I could truly handle in the face of fear, death, you name it. And I took on board and I can sit here and say that I was the angel, but honestly, hand on heart for him to go through that at his age, he's like, what? 32, 33, for him to go through that at that age is more traumatic than me saying that I had to deal with it. The guy is is a heart of gold and I'm very lucky to have him a part of my life. I really am. And I don't want to say that he hasn't had his own issues down the line with emotional kind of stuff. Like he's 100% like he used to struggle opening up emotionally. Um, so he would never be able to communicate his feelings. He just, he never knew how he never, you know, most men are never known how to communicate to their spouses. And it wasn't until I sat down and allowed him time. And this is what we mentioned on your episode is that we allowed time for our partners to be able to communicate because the previous version of me would just chat all the way through. And I thought that it was grand and that we were amazing, but actually I didn't allow him space. And I still struggle to this day not to interrupt him. And he does say, can I finish talking? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Still an ongoing process, but... Oh, that's so I, I kind of find works I want to say incredible but it's it's also heartbreaking but it's got a positive outcome it's got it's got a bit of everything there and what I was thinking while you were talking is that obviously we're we're focusing right now on your self-development and when we talk about self-development a lot of us especially I would say it is more of a female thing we talk about the universe and spirituality and they kind of all come into play in a circle And more often, men find that harder to comprehend. They don't necessarily, and not all men, of course, but, you know, men, they they find it, they want to be more logical. They want to be more practical, which, like, they can't communicate their emotions sometimes because they're coming from this logical, practical standpoint. So did your partner have to do any work on himself in terms of that sort of spirituality going through such a traumatic process to not only help him, but help your relationship navigate such a traumatic time? Absolutely. So 
I became the lighthouse for him. And I did try when you learn self-development and you realize that meditation is the bee's knees, you want to teach everyone because it's the most life-changing tool ever. You know, I wanted to go around and scream it from the mountaintops. But unfortunately, someone has to be ready and in their own journey, in their own path to be able to learn and go down self-development. You cannot force people if they are not ready to learn or change or develop themselves. So I became the lighthouse and Phil had seen you got to think he started with me 10 years ago to the version that I am now. And he has seen what it's done for me. So being the lighthouse, he, you know, asked for help. He said, what can I do to help myself? And I said, honestly, you've been through trauma. You need to have counseling. It's not finding a life coach, you know, a future coach about your your life. Let's focus on your past, clear that, and then you can focus on your present. And he did. He had therapy and it was honestly the best thing ever for him. And I signed up for another retreat, uh, funny enough, last year. I was like ready to celebrate. It was a manifestation retreat. And I said to him, I'm going to go to Mykonos on this retreat. And he said, what about me? Wow. I was like, okay. I was like, you know, this is a meditation retreat, right? You good with that? You don't really meditate. And he was like, no, no, I want, I want to be a part of this. I want to come with you. And he did. He came with me. And we had this wonderful experience on this retreat. And I'll be, I'll be real right now. There's a part called a letting go ceremony. It's where you come up to the plate, you write all the negative beliefs, the mindset blocks, things that have been holding you back from the version of you that you wish to become. And you burn them together as part of the retreat with all these people. And he stepped up in front of 30 people and he said, I'm no longer going to allow my heart to stop me from having a future. And I just broke down in tears. To hear him say something so powerful as that, and allow himself to even think. He's always thought, I've never got a future. He doesn't think about having children. He doesn't think about where or what he wants to do when it comes to the future. But that allowed him to be able to process everything and change how he views and sees himself and his future. That's amazing. So what would you say are overall from this experience, from your journey, and then later on from Phil's journey, what are those key pillars where you put yourself first, but it benefits the relationship. What are those for you? That's a brilliant question. The soon as you focus on yourself, that's when everything changes. You've got to stop trying to find it from other people. It's never going to happen. You will never ever, you'll waste your life trying to find it in others, how they perceive you. It's about how you perceive yourself, how you feel and how you look at yourself. That's the most important because as long as you start shining, people are going to want to be a part of that sunshine, honey. They'll be coming to the beach. They'll be applying the sun cream. Don't worry. But if you are going to become the cloud, the rain, the heavy toll, you're going to find a lot of people are going to struggle to be in your energy. And that was a big lesson for me growing you know, into the version that I am now. And honestly, to this day, and I know you're going to resonate with this so much, if you were to ask me what the key thing has been to keep our relationship maintained, to continue to understand each other, to hear each other on a higher level, it would be to communicate with each other. We yes. communicate once every week, every single week we communicate, not just a, how you doing? Yeah, wasn't that funny? Haha, <laughs> no. We communicate about money. We communicate about how we are mentally and emotionally. We connect about, do we need a break? Do we need to have a bit more fun? What is it that we want? Are we connected? Are we disconnected? I can't be connected with him unless I'm emotionally connected to him, you know, for him to hear me, understand me and all that. And that 
has been probably the biggest giveaway, the key that I can give anyone listening right now is that if you feel disconnected and that you want something else, you need to sit. And yes, no, it's not going to be a five minute conversation. It's going to take hours, four hours, five hours, however long it takes. You might be speaking to each other all the way through the night. Like you have to be willing to sit and have the hard conversations and ask the hard questions. Otherwise, you will never grow together. And that's the issue with relationships is that if you stay in the same place, you become two very different people over time. And you need to connect with each other to stay on that level. Otherwise, you are going to drift apart without even realizing it. I love that answer. And that leads me so nicely on to the second topic of this episode. So the second part of our chat today, because you've clearly shown already how well you and your partner have navigated so many different trials and tribulations. But what is becoming very apparent to me, both through my personal life, through seeing things on social media and things like that, is that couples that get together in their late teens or early 20s, and then decide to get married, maybe around their mid-20s. This is exactly what I did. They get there from, I would say, around 28, maybe 28 to around 34. And suddenly there are changes. Now there are changes maybe in one person or both people. And the relationship can start to break down. And quite often they end up breaking up and going their separate ways because so often the changes are too big and we don't know how to come back from them. Why do you think this is becoming such a common theme now where initially in our late teens, exactly like you said about Prince Charming, you know, we're wanting to meet that person. And for so many of us, it's that big priority. It's all you think about. You think about your career, but really your focus is the relationship and getting your house and doing all that. And then when it's not as it seems, why is it not as it seems? What is this issue where so many people seem to be repeating this pattern? I think the pattern is that it's understanding that you're not the same human being you were when you met. And to evolve, you have to evolve together. And that's where the hard questions come in, like said. But honestly, I think we've become a generation where, yes, marriages don't last. And I think it is because people don't take the conscious effort. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the autopilot loop of life. You know, get up. The kids need their lunches. Walk the dog go to work. And by the time that you're home, honey, what's for dinner? Oh, I'm exhausted. What should we watch tonight on Netflix? Doesn't sound like a spicy relationship to me. All right. Now I'm not saying that you can't enjoy an evening of Netflix. I get it. I do it. But what you need to understand is that you need to use your time in other things you've never done before. So when you're in your honeymoon phase, you're going out. You're not just sat in front of the TV. You know, you are going out, you're doing new things. And that's what's so wonderful about my own story, my own journey, is that I was brought up in a place of everyone lived in the same area, did the same things, you know, worked in the same job for 40 years. And I was like, yeah, this ain't it. And there must be more outside of this. I'd never traveled. I'd never done anything with my life. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't really want to become what my parents are. So I started traveling. I started doing new things. And what I realized is that when you start to do this, your brain is like a muscle and you train it. And when you realize you start to do new and exciting things, you become flexible. And if you don't do the new things and put yourself in fear or facing your fears or uncomfortability, you will stay the same. You will stay unflexible. 
and to put your relationship, you know, when they say spice up, go on a date night, they're not lying. They're really, really real. Go on a date night. I'm not even kidding. I don't care if you've got the kids. Don't make the excuses. Don't listen to that typical old, lovely comfort zone routine. Go and enjoy yourselves. Go and fall in love all over again and realize why you loved each other because it's so, I'm sorry, anyone could tell me, someone who's decided to stay and do the same routine, would they stay together? Would they? Wouldn't you just get bored and you'd want something different? That's what happens. You get a divorce, you find someone new. It's exciting because you're going out, you're traveling and do all these things. Now, I don't want to sit here and say that every single couple should stay together because that's not the case. And that's something that I have to highlight is extremely important is that it's changed. I think there's an old, I don't know, an old story behind that you have to stay together till you die, till death does us part. It was a lot more heightened whereas now maybe you decide you know what this is it's too late it's too far but people stay people stay until it gets really rotten and toxic did you ever notice a difference sorry i didn't mean to interrupt yeah no no go but did you ever notice that when you were in a relationship people were far more casual about the advice they gave you and they were much more open to the idea of whether you stayed together or you broke up they would obviously be supportive and encouraging however once you're married that advice goes up about 10 notches you again you must stay together suddenly because they deem their relationship or the outsiders deem your relationship so much more serious once you're married and I just think it's I understand but I also think it's so so wrong because you should be having that serious view of the relationship well before you get married and that advice if you're going to have a a view it should be from start to finish not just when you get married I understand obviously not in the dating stages but did you find that did you find that people spoke to you about your relationship differently between being in a relationship versus being married 100% 100% but it's always that horrible you know oh so you're dating oh mm-hmm. beautiful when are you going to get engaged and then they do the whole oh you're engaged so when you start when's the wedding you know when's the wedding and then you have the wedding and then, so when you're going to have kids it's just that typical small talk mm-hmm. old storyline like and I think that puts a lot of pressure on people to feel like they've got to hit the new level and they get to the new level and they get to the next level and it, it's not until it stops that they go what actually am I doing here again? Sorry, I forgot. And you know what? I think you can tell instantly if someone is in a healthy relationship by just sitting down and seeing how the use of language and how they talk around each other. I've sat in front of some friendships before where they are constantly putting each other down um, just for the laugh of the table. You know, they'll be like, oh, she does this. It's so funny. And he does that and all that. And they're laughing about it. Actually, they're, they're biting each other down. And it's actually quite toxic if you think about it. So just listen, you know, just observe and see the language that you use and that your partner uses around you will define how they view and feel about you. And I've ha- I'll be real. I've had to sit down, feel once and said, could you be careful with how you say something please because that was a bit I I didn't like that I didn't think it was very respectful and I felt pretty enough and he'd be like oh I'm so sorry I didn't realize that you know and having that communication again with each other and to realize that you know respect is asked you know if you don't speak up about things that have hurt or upset you and if that person does not allow you space and understanding and compassion and they get triggered and they get upset and they refuse to take responsibility you've got a real problem on your hands and that's so important yeah 
I think it's really interesting what you were saying there, because you were talking about the fact that you had to say that to your partner. And it just goes to show that you're always learning about each other. So when you say once you get stuck in the old mill and you think there's nothing more to learn, there's nothing more to do. Literally any day, 50 years in, your partner can make a comment where you're like, "Mm, could you just and it's that, oh, actually, maybe their sense of humor. They don't like that. Maybe that's a joke I should make when I'm with the lads, not with my wife or. And I think that it, it really goes to show that there is always something you can learn. And it's it's paying attention to those moments. And also on the other end, knowing that you can always speak up again. I reiterate, I'm like a broken record, but the communication to speak up and make sure, because what can happen, and this is something I used to be guilty of, is someone jokes about you or talks about you in a way where they don't sound very bothered, or like you say, it's a bit derogatory. So you get resentful. So you just do it back. So rather than actually think, just say, actually, you're hurting my feelings, you just try and hurt their feelings back. And you're never going to fix anything that way. If anything, you're going to create a bigger problem for your relationship. Mm. So moving on a little bit now, earlier on in the episode, you were talking about how once your partner had this very traumatic, quick life or death situation where he had to have surgery, and that opened up his mind more to spirituality, more to self-development. I think one of the issues that happens to couples in their 20s going into their 30s is that people can reach this at different points. And sometimes, unfortunately, certain people won't reach that and they will want to stay the same. What would you say to someone? How could they tell the difference between a partner that maybe just needs time? Like you said, you be the lighthouse, they watch you, they learn and they grow. And then your relationship will grow from that over. They're just not going to change. And actually that you're beating a dead horse. Is that the saying? You're beating a dead horse. Um, and, and actually maybe this relationship just isn't right because you've learned and you've grown and you've changed, but they're not going to. Mm, such a really good question. It's the uncertainty, isn't it? You are never going to be able to predict if change is going to happen. It's like the cheater, you know, I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry. And then next thing you know, it happens again and you're there all over again. It is really hard to see if there's going to be change. You can't, you you know, there's no time machine to tell that. But I think the best thing for you, whoever is in that situation, the best advice that I would give to that person if they are questioning whether if this relationship is worth holding on to is taking a really long, hard look within you. And that means switching off your mobile phone, your TVs, your distractions, going for a walk, sitting in meditation is a highly recommended one to understand, is this person making you happy? Have they been making you happy? And how long for have they been making you happy? What challenges do they bring to the table? You know, how many times Have you communicated that you are not happy in a certain area of something and they have heard you but not taken the action? It's really easy that that's the difference I would love to talk about is people's words need to match their actions. Someone can tell you that they're going to meet up with you and then next thing you know, oh, something's come up the next day and over and over again. Like I've had friends in the past who say, yeah, we'll meet up on Tuesday. I'm so sorry. I can't do tonight an hour before where I've gotten ready and I've set my plans and ready to go and meet them. And they've said, I- I've got to cancel. I'm really sorry. And I'll give them the once, you know, that's fine. We'll redo it. But if it happens a second time, don't be the fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like understand that. So for me, they would say, let's meet up again. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I can't because my time is valuable. And so is every single human that's listening to this episode. Your time is the best form of currency you will ever have. So ask yourself the time that you are giving this human being, this partner, this relationship, is it worth 
your currency that Love they'll that know analogy. straight away they'll know straight away when i you will ask anyone that and they will either pause which means no they're not happy or they will say oh fuck yeah yeah we're great instantly yeah no i know this is going to work it's just a, it's just a bad patch they're going through some grief they've lost someone in their life or really bad patch at work is a common one it's fine you know you every relationship is going to have their their downfalls it's like a roller coaster and there's balance with that but you can't just leave when it gets hard once. Yeah. There's recognizing that it's a temporary thing or a long-term thing. Definitely. I absolutely thank you so much for sharing that. That is so spot on. And I think a lot of people, would you say maybe we talk about communication, I talk about communication, but maybe talking to people on the outside, because I think another factor that can come into this is if you've been with someone since you were in your teens that person becomes it's it's your life it's your history it's all you can remember and so you might be asking your partner for a need they hear you they don't change you know that but you're too scared to face that there's a lot of fear that can come into this sort of 20 versus 30 going into relationships of I don't know anything different as an adult than what we have and what we've done so there could be so much better but to me this is even though I don't feel good I will stay because it's all I know. So it's safer to stay with what you know than change. So maybe if you have a conversation, because what I was thinking is when you were saying about asking those questions is that when you do it with your partner, if you're in a bit of a vulnerable spot, they'll say an answer you don't want to hear and you kind of block it out. You kind of go, oh, oh no, I'll ask them again later. And you're making excuses. Whereas if a friend or a family member asks you and puts you almost on the spot in a nice way, they kind of catch you off guard. That's when the real answer will come out and you will shock yourself, I think, because I think that it's a bit like when you go to therapy and a counsellor will answer you a question and you will say something and you're just honestly, I've done it a few times where I've, I've driven away and my mind is blown of what I've said. I was like, I had no idea that that was a problem or I had no idea that was an issue. Where did that come from? So would you say maybe talk to others if if you are finding with your partner that you're kind of using the fear as a way to avoid or how would you deal with the fear? I love this and already know my answer to all of it. Amazing. It's, you have to be really careful with who you share your personal life with. Because if you, so if you want advice from someone, don't go to someone who has a broken relationship or doesn't know, you know, always ask someone that you see, have have a really positive, wonderful relationship and you will get the advice that you need. But sometimes asking the wrong people will not Mm. direct your life in the right way. And the fear, let's cover that because that's my favorite thing to cover, as you know, being a life coach and mindset coach. Fear is a, is a very interesting thing. And all the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And that's something that we do not know. And unless you take the risks, unless you face your fears, you will continue to remain as you are. There is no growing or knowing differently. And I, I really resonate with anybody who's been in a position where they want change but like you said this is all they've ever known especially from such a young age to now this is what life has been but imagine it like this you are holding a very old teddy bear it kind of smells the ears ripped off the buttons are coming off but you love that teddy more than anything in the world but what you don't realize is that someone in front of you is holding a huge brand new teddy that you've always wanted that you have always deserved behind their back. And all they are saying is, give me the old teddy and just trust the process. Trust yourself. Have faith 
that it's going to get better because it must be better than this, surely. You can't stay in this for the rest of your life. Like, that's not how it's going to work. And it's really not scary being alone. And I think that can also be the fear. If you've been in a relationship, especially since a teenager, and you kind of, I I know from the age of about 16 until I met my ex-husband, I was not single. I was constantly bouncing between boys. In fact, I wouldn't break up with a boy until I knew there was another boy lurking, even if I was quite sort of bored or I wasn't feeling it anymore. Because the thought of suddenly not having a boyfriend just felt petrifying. And then if you carry that into your relationship that you decide to make a serious relationship and then maybe into a marriage, that is going to hold you back from so much. And I think it's so important that especially before you get married, I think something you said much earlier on in the episode around living with your partner first, that is hugely crucial because I think that a lot comes out. I've been with my ex-husband for six or seven years before we lived together. And I thought we knew each other inside out. However, when you live together, it's it's not about you see a real side in terms of who's clean and who's dirty. Sometimes that can be a factor, but it's not that it's you see the energy that goes into the relationship when you don't need to put the energy in. Yes. Because when you don't live together, you have to make the effort to see each other. You have to arrange to go out. But once you live together, there's you see each other every day. You don't need to do the date night. You don't need to. So you will really see what is coming through. And I think that if you are already engaged or married before you live together, while I understand it's a tradition and it's very nice for some other reasons, that means that you're going to feel so much more fear if you stick with this relationship that you're not sure, you move in, some of your fears are slightly confirmed, that fear is only going to grow. And if you can learn to navigate fear in your early 20s, especially if you're in a relationship, that will really help you decide if you're in a relationship that's right for you. It's almost coming down to your sense of worth because mm. you're selling your life to someone because you're afraid of being alone, which being alone is not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing. In fact, you become such a stronger, beautiful, whole round human being. And what we forget is that nothing is forever. Nothing. Regardless of how bad you think this is going to be the same day, day in, day out, it's not. And that's the hard truth. And I like to share the hard truths. And the hard truth is that you and only you are there to the end of the line. You are the one and only who's going to be with yourself till the end of your life. And you need to get comfortable and get to know yourself. And this body and mind that you have been gifted, get to learn how to love yourself, get to know yourself on a deeper level so that you can be by yourself. So you can do things by yourself and not wait for other people and stay around other people who aren't allowing you to do that. I, what I love, the theme throughout this episode is yes, this podcast talks about relationships. We've talked about relationships throughout predominantly, but the key here is yourself and it is learning to love yourself first, learning to know yourself first. And it's also important to know that even if you are in a relationship and you've never done this and maybe you are getting married, maybe you're newly married, it's never too late to learn how to put yourself first and how to incorporate that into your relationship. My final question is, what three things would you say to a couple that maybe are finding themselves in this 20s to 30s transition and they're sort of, they're bickering a bit, they're, they're, they're not sure if these are bigger issues or smaller issues, they just don't know how to navigate the fact they're both growing and they might be growing in different ways, they might just need to learn. What would they be? That's a really good question. Well, obviously, as mentioned, number one, communicate. Yeah. Okay. You are <laughs> yeah, I love that you the amount this. of couples, man, the amount of couples <laughs> that come home and don't say anything to each other because they sit on the phone or they're burnt out and they're watching TV because they just want to relax. Have a night where you communicate with each other at least once every week. We would not, we argue less 
when we communicate. We've had weeks where we might not or we're away for weekends, we forget to do it. And we argue more because we're not aware of, of how people, you know, how we're feeling, what we are needing in that week. It's so important, you know, having the hard conversation, regardless if it's uncomfortable or not, you've got to get on with it because that's life, honey. It's it's easy to try and get the heart, you know, the easy life, but it, there is no easy life. So good luck trying to find that. The second one, oh, sex is so damn important. And I'm uh, going to yeah. address it. I really am because I remember having a couple that we used to be very close with and they asked us openly about our sex life. And they said, you know, how often do you guys do it? And when I told them, their mouths hit the floor uh, and they were like, huh, huh, what? And they admitted to us that they only have it once a month once a month and they would joke about it in front of each other and already you knew that that was quite sad and that they haven't sat enough with each other and said we need to spice it up a little bit you know and it is hard it is really hard take it from someone who's been with someone for 10 years and had open heart surgery guys (laughs) take it from me it is really difficult to keep it maintained keep it spicy keep it active and my best tool for that is the date nights when you go on dates when i mean me and phil have gone traveling we've done hundreds of experiences together it's kept it spicy because we don't do the same chat of how was work? Yeah, it was great. How was yours? Yeah, all right. You know, Karen had a go at me today. Ra rah, rah. We go, wasn't that experience this weekend so fun? Oh my God, I loved it when you did this. And you get to get competitive with each other and you get to have fun. And remember that life gets to be fun. Life is the playground. And we forget that. We know that as children. I'm quoting Yes Man right now because I love this quote. But you have to keep playing as an adult to learn to love life and not to fall in trap of the mundane work. You know, there needs balance. There must be balance. And the third one, and this is something that really has been a huge impact on our relationship, is that you are allowed to live separate lives. Because me and Phil spend a lot of time together and we're very lucky to be able to not want to kill each other, if I'm completely (laughs) honest. We're best friends as well as a relationship. And that makes it a hell of a lot easier to navigate when you are close friends before the relationship because you can spend ounces of time. But sometimes it benefits you going out, making plans and living your own life. Because if you are only associating and socializing, it gets very boring very quickly and you run out of things to talk about, you run out of things to do, it gets a bit boring and you become a little bit more ungrateful. So having your own time, doing the things that you love, learning to love yourself and self-improve yourself and come back to the table is going to allow you to bring a very nice heavy plate of juice compared to sitting there and saying, well, you know, can I have something off your plate? Because, you know, taking from each other's plates, you know, you need to feel, feed your own energy yourself, your own cup, your own energy, and they need to do the same because you can't always get it from each other. You can't expect them to give you the energy you need and you can't expect them to have the same. So focus on yourself and, and pouring into your cup so that when you do return, it's a really healthy and happy kind of conversation. That is such good advice. And especially with that last point, I think that when you get into a committed relationship, again, that fear can kick in that if you start to do things independently, that people think oh, they, they maybe they're not very happy. They're not that, you know, they're, they're doing quite a lot. They haven't posted each other on Instagram recently. So maybe there's something going on there and they'll speculate. And actually, the more grounded and the more you do that work on yourself, the more that you know that you are safe to go out on your own. And when your partner's also in that place, you will go away and you will come back together. And that is what will encourage 
that growth where I've forgotten the exact saying, but it's like you talk about two trees next to each other. You don't want the trees to get all entangled and be all like this because then it becomes all messy and complicated. You don't want the trees to grow too far away because then you you go too far apart. You want to be able to learn how to do this. And the best way to do that is to keep that perfect balance of your first two points and then mix it perfectly with your last point. So thank you so much. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love how you said safe. I think that's a really important thing that people need to understand is like, ask yourself, do I feel safe in this relationship to do these things? And if not, what areas are you not feeling safe? That's a really good way to become very clear and aware of your current relationship. I think it's also quite important to remember that when you get anxiety and you feel unsafe, it's also not always your your partner's problem. So sometimes if we feel anxious in the relationship, we assume it's them or they've done something or they're quiet today. And again, if we do that work and we feel safe within ourselves, we will realize that that's a projection we're putting on our partner from the way that we feel. And the more that you know yourself, the more that you can recognize whether it's something your partner is doing or whether actually it's something coming from you. Life comes from within you. And that's what what I mean by that is how everything is going on in your life. You know, maybe he's not paying attention to you or or you're not getting the love that you deserve or your job's become very heavy and it's becoming really hard and life just sucks. The hardest pill to swallow is that that's from you. Inside you, you are crafting, you are seeing, you are doing all of that. And what people don't realise is you get to change your state of mind, you get to change your life within you, literally. And I think it's important as well to, it's really hard because there's that old saying, you know, like therapy was never considered growing up. My parents... In their age, in their generation, therapy was known for you being cuckoo, you know, crazy. If you go to therapy, if you focus on any mental well-being, God, man, you're messed up. So they didn't go. And look what happened to their relationships. You know, it's it's interesting. So take on board that as well. Learn is learning from them and learning their mistakes and how we can use that as as knowledge to ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think that when you were saying about the thinking that people, if you went to therapy, they might people would say that they're cuckoo or it's also people worry that it's a sign of failure that if you're needing help from the outside it's like we're failing somehow and it's so important to change that narrative within yourself and that actually it means you've got a thriving relationship no matter what state your relationship is in if you're both on that same page saying okay we need some outside help because I don't want to lose this you're thriving and that is where you will learn to grow and you will resolve what you need to resolve. I am so grateful for you coming on today because we've just had the best conversation. You've been so vulnerable and shared so much. And I really do appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and what you do? So I'm on Instagram and TikTok, but my home base at the moment is mainly Instagram. That's where people can find me. It's out at Zilla, outzilla.co.uk as well as my website. So if there is anything in terms of self-development or my mindset or you are interested in doing any of the inner work to be able to help yourself in your relationship I would be more than happy to show you the reins of the elite mindset tools that are going to get you there so yeah absolutely lovely and you've got your own podcast as well so how can people find that because it's so worth listening to oh thank you honey yeah I mean if anyone wants to catch the episode that me and Charlotte did um 100% worth a listen it was so good like everyone knows that Charlotte's a babe so it's all good (laughs) It's called Your Life Unleashed Without Zilla. So I focus on things like mindset, but I also deep dive into really hot topics. So things like social media addiction. I talk about um, how I got out of 50 grand's worth of debt, how I talk about the story of Bali as well and how that came about and how it actually worked and ended with me. And I talk 
a little bit deeper about meditation as well. So it's a really worth having a little browse and see what's cool to you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Anytime, Charlotte, we're going to do literally, we're going to do another episode <laughs> on mine. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait. Me too. <laughs>